But right now, we go to the phone lines and we check in with Joe Gilio, who joins us. He's a talk show host, WIP Midday Show in Philadelphia. Joe G, always great to talk to you. And we just got note of the Pro Bowl rosters that dropped. I'm sure you've had a chance to look at them. The Eagles are well represented, but I wanted to specifically ask you, Joe G, about the three linemen that were selected, Kelsey, Lane Johnson, and Landon Dickerson, three excellent players. We know the Eagles have a really good offensive line. But as somebody who really watches and studies them, Joe G, d- does it feel like the line has been not as dominant as we've been accustomed to seeing it the last couple of years? Yeah, I would say that's fair. Uh, not quite as great. I think maybe a little bit of slippage from Lane Johnson, uh, you know, where he was maybe at his peak the last couple of years. Jason Kelsey, I would say a little bit. I mean, these guys, again, they're still pro bowlers, still, yeah. still great players. Um, but I think there's been a little bit of that, not quite as good. If, you know, last year they were clearly the best offensive line in the NFL, maybe they're still a top 10, top, top five unit in the league. But I, I think there's been a little bit of slippage probably this year across the board. What about DeAndre Swift making the Pro Bowl? I think I was a little bit surprised by that, especially how good Jameer Gibbs has been, how good – uh, you know, David Montgomery has been. Was that surprising to you? Obviously, that's great, but it feels like DeAndre Swift hasn't been as good as he was uh, with Detroit last year. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's been fine. He's a good player. Um, you know, he obviously plays behind a really good offensive line, as we're talking about, and with a lot of good weapons around him. He's he's had a kind of a weird season when you look at his game logs. You know, he's had maybe three or four outstanding games, which kind of boosted up all his numbers for the season. And then the rest of the games this year have been you know, they've been fine, you know, 12 carries, and he gets about 45, 50, 60 yards on the game, which is which is good. But you don't look at them week to week and say, wow, this guy is one of the best backs in the NFL. It's just kind of accumulated over the season. And he stayed healthy, which has been uh, something in the past that he has. And he's, he's, you know, he's been on the field all year for the Eagles. So it, it kind of just added up. Joe G, obviously I'm sure you guys have dissected the the Cardinals game all week and talked about it. In this Jalen Hurts era where the Eagles have been one of the top teams in the NFC East, obviously the Super Bowl loss aside, because that's in a different category, but just like a regular season loss. I mean, could you argue that this past week against Arizona was was one of the worst, was towards the top? Yeah, PJ, I'll take you back to even way before all these guys were here. I mean, we went. I went back and looked before our, our first show this week because I was just curious. I think, actually, I looked it up right after the game. I was just curious. When was the last time the Eagles lost a home game as that big of a favorite. Mm-hmm. And you have to go back to 2011. Remember that dream team with Michael yeah. Vick and all those guys? It, ironically, it was against Arizona uh, in the middle of that season. But they that was the last time they lost a home game where they were 12 or more point favorites. So it, it really was. And when you factor in that the number two seed, you know, the, the, par, the seeds parted for them Saturday night with what happened in Dallas, and the division was there, the number two seed was there, if the Niners had lost a game, now, we know they won on Sunday, but they would have had to play it out this coming week against the Rams. If the Niners had lost the game, like the Eagles took the field Sunday at home as 12-point favorites over a three-win team with the number one seed still in their sights, and they lost that game. I, I think it's one of the worst regular season home losses the Eagles have ever had in my lifetime. That, that's how bad it was when you factor in the stakes. So, yeah, it's certainly the worst home loss or loss of the Hurts era and Sirianni, but beyond that, it's, it's one of the worst Eagles losses, you know, maybe ever. We talked about wow. this last night, you know, who we would feel more confident between Kansas City and Philadelphia going on a run. And with all of the drama or weirdness surrounding this Eagles team, the A.J. Brown quotes 
that are now circulating on Twitter are enough maybe to just pull me back in. I love how he's defending Brian Johnson, defending Nick Sirianni. Shockingly, Joe, I think PJ thinks that Sirianni is the problem in Philadelphia. He said that earlier on in the show. I don't know if I agree. But do you think that this type of commentary during the locker like in the locker room is enough to kind of uh unify the team and bring them back together enough to kind of turn this season around we'll see it feels like a it feels like a life best right they're, they're trying this is like the last ditch resort the guy that has been the most frustrated is now the one holding court and telling everyone it's going to be fine we believe in everyone this feels like the last ditch resort to try to pull this locker room back together and Andrew Brown's a captain so I think the last couple weeks have been a little bit of strangeness because, yeah, he's not talking. He doesn't want to upset anyone. doesn't want to put, throw anyone on the bus. But when he doesn't talk, it makes all the other captains have to talk for him. So I think almost today was more for him to – yeah, and he apologized to his, his teammates, the fellow captains, for for not kind of holding up his end of the bargain last few weeks in terms of talking and, and being accountable. So I think today was for that. We'll see how the team responds to it. It, it was interesting because, yes, all those quotes are good on the surface, yet – you know, kind of when you read between the lines, some of the stuff he said, you're like, hmm, what does that mean? Because at one point he talked about the end of the Seattle game with Jalen Hurst threw an interception to him, you know, trying to attempt to pass to A.J. deep down the field. They only needed a field goal. It seemed like a, a pretty, you know, risky play at that point for no reason. And he mentioned today, don't blame Nick Sirianni for that. Don't blame the coaches. Jalen Hurts and I, or he said, you know, we, but obviously it was the quarterback and him, we kind of freelanced that one. So, in essence, he's saying that they just took the play call and did their own thing, which, okay, don't blame the coaches, but then why are they doing that? So it kind of opens up that can of worms. I do hope and do think it could be a good thing, but it certainly is just the latest bit of drama in a season that's had a lot of it here, despite a good record for the Eagles. What's stemming all of this, do you think? Like, is it more than one thing? Is it a, a Super Bowl hangover? Because the vibes were so high last year, and this year they couldn't be more of a 180 turn. Yeah, I, I think part of it is they just they just haven't had any fun. You mentioned vibes. I mean, there was a, a report here in Philadelphia in the Inquirer a few weeks ago that they were the most miserable 10-1 team anyone had ever seen. They weren't having fun. I think the weight of expectations, you know, they put it on themselves that they had to get back and they had to win it this year, so nothing was good enough. And even though they were winning early, you know, we all saw it. They were barely covering. They were coming back. They weren't really playing dominant football. I think they were struggling to enjoy wins because they realized they weren't, weren't, weren't playing that well. And then they started to lose, and it became like, oh, boy, we're, we weren't enjoying the wins. Now we're losing, and the fingers started pointing. So it's been, a, it's been an odd year around the Eagles to where they're in the playoffs. But, yet I, I kept saying this week on the show, like, this team's going to play a playoff game next weekend. They will be favored, and we're talking about things like, you know, pointing fingers and who's culpable. And it's almost like the offseason has arrived even though the playoffs haven't even started yet. Do you think there's any chance that if they're one and done in the playoffs that maybe they make a a head coaching change, just looking at maybe they go after Mike Tomlin or Bill Belichick, or maybe they're able to lure Jim Harbaugh, just with maybe the potential names, and I know the fan base is starting to turn a little bit on Sirianni, even making the Super Bowl last year, Joe. With the way it's going now, if they go one and done, say they lose to the NFC South champ, you think there's any chance that maybe, you know, Jeffrey Lurie may, makes a change? I do think there's a chance. Now, I'm not going to tell you guys it's a big one. I don't think it's, it's likely. But, I do, CJ, I do think there's a chance um, for, in a couple of reasons. One, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman do not like to sit on their hands. They don't 
you know, they'd rather do something a year too early rather than a year too late. I mean, Doug Peterson, it was the quickest a Super Bowl winning coach had ever been fired. I mean, the Eagles waited 52 years to win a Super Bowl. The coach that won that Super Bowl was gone within three years after winning it. So th- there's precedent here. I'll even go back to Chip Kelly, who obviously didn't get to a Super Bowl, but go look at Chip Kelly's career record. It wasn't bad. He was 10-6. and six, He was 10-6. and six, And in his third year, he didn't even finish the season. I think he was 7-8, and eight, uh, something you know around 500 at the time they fired him in December. So it, here's the way I view this. I, I don't think Sirianni's resume matters as much as this. Do they think he's the right coach for next season to get this group to win a championship because they're in a window right now. I mean, they paid a quarterback right. $250 million. They have a $100 million wide receiver. They have, uh, you know, an interesting roster where it's a lot of young guys, but also some guys that are near the end. You know, how many more years do they have of Lane Johnson? Kelsey's kind of one foot in, one foot out. So this is their window now, and that's why I think all this on the table. And I'll give you another example outside of the Eagles. You know, John Fox with the Denver Broncos, he went 13-3, and then he went to a Super Bowl, and the next year he went 12-4, and lost their first playoff game to Andrew Luck, and he was out because that, that Denver team realized, we got Peyton, we have DeMarcus Ware, we got to win right now, and they moved on. So I, I think it's kind of a unique scenario where I would not be surprised if they do it. I also won't be surprised if there's a lot of stories next week heading into the playoff game that like, hey, anything's on the table in Philadelphia. There's a lot of chatter, Joe, questioning the leadership of Jalen Hurts, which I find to be – Slightly ridiculous. He just seems to me like an introverted guy, very quiet, man of few words. What's your take on on that criticism? Yeah, it, it's taken me a little bit off guard too, Tristan, but mostly because the first few years he was in the NFL, all we heard about it was what great of a leader he was, right? This is his locker room. He took the locker room from Carson Wentz. Everyone loves him. I do think when the Eagles put out those videos, like in the locker room after they win, you kind of see he lets his guard down a little bit. He, he talks differently around his guys than he does in front of a microphone. So I don't really think he's actually that robotic. I think he does connect with those guys. The only thing that I've wondered as I've seen these reports and you hear these quotes is I wonder where they're coming from, and I wonder if there's some jealousy within that locker room, and I have no idea who it would be. But you think about it, like Jalen Hurts is a guy that was a second-round pick. He wasn't looked at before last year as a superstar. Then they have a great season. He's the MVP candidate. He gets paid. And I think back to that Russell Wilson stuff in Seattle, you know, eight years ago when it felt like jealousy set in to where, like, hey, this was a great team. Why does the quarterback get the credit? This was a great team. Why does the quarterback get all the money? And I think that kind of started that rift in Seattle. I'm not saying that's going to happen in Philadelphia. It's just I've wondered why, just like you, this stuff's coming out. But I don't think Hurts is the problem with this team right now. Joe, looking at the game on Sunday against the Giants, I'm looking at the total specifically, and it's sitting at 42 right now. And obviously these teams played on Christmas Day. It was 33-25. to 25. We just watched the Eagles and the Cardinals play a high-scoring game as well. Giants' offense has been, has been better with Tyrod Taylor in there. Eagles are scoring some points. Their defense obviously has not been great here. I mean, is that total too low? Like, I, I mean, I like the over in the game. Is that where you would lean? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I do feel it's a little bit low. And I also, I would watch, uh, you know, for a live spot in this game for the Giants side. So the Eagles are noncommittal about how they're going to approach this whole thing. I mean, they, they, they need extreme help for this to matter, this game. Otherwise, they're locked into the five seed. If Dallas beats Washington, the Eagles' result does not matter whatsoever. So, you know, I, I'm advocating here they shouldn't even I, – I would concede the division. I wouldn't even play. I wouldn't put, the, I wouldn't put these guys on the MetLife turf 
especially with a game next weekend. I mean, I think the Eagles could actually use a bye week, but they're going to put their starters out. They're going to play. But but here's what I'm thinking. I think they're going to look at the scoreboard at halftime, and if the Dallas Cowboys are up 27-10 to 10 on Washington, I, I think the Eagles are going to start pulling guys off the field in the mm. second half, especially their best players, you know, Jalen Hurts, Kelsey, Lane. You go to the defense, it's not great, but maybe Hassan Reddick comes off the field, which takes, you know, a bad defense and makes it an awful defense. So I think with that into play there, I would look at the Giants as a live betting spot, and I also think the over of the game is, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, do you like any other player props in there if we're thinking about that in that matchup? Yeah, I mean, I, I would look, if they're going to start pulling guys off the field, you know, late in the game, I would look at their second and third running backs to get get some run in the second half. I mean, if you could find uh, a line on a Kenny Gainwell and his carries or his yardage, I think that would be interesting. Same thing if, you know, Rashad Penny suited up last weekend for the first time in about seven weeks. We'll see if he suited up again this weekend. I would look at those kind of things um, and maybe, you know, just play an over or a touchdown on an Eagles running back late in that game. Joe, we got about a minute left before we let you go. Last week of the regular season, as we head into the postseason, I think we all probably agree on who the top five in the NFC is. We just kind of disagree on the order. On the order, San Francisco, the Rams, Philadelphia, Dallas, and Detroit. So what would be your top five? What would be your pecking order of those teams? Yeah, I would go San Francisco one. I, I'm not shaken by what happened against Baltimore. I think that was more fluke than anything. I still think San Francisco is a cut above everyone in the NFC. I would go Detroit, too. I'm very impressed with the Lions, and I think they're going to make a lot of noise in this postseason. I would go Dallas, three. I would put the Eagles still at four, and then I would go the Rams at number five. So I'd go San Francisco, Detroit, Dallas, Eagles, and Rams as the top five. Very good. He is Joe Giglio, talk show host, WIP Midday Show in Philadelphia. Joe G., always great catching up with you, man. We appreciate it. Happy New Year. You too. Anytime, guys.